Exceeding Expectations, episode 11. Welcome to Exceeding Expectations, the show where we talk with people who love what they do and really try to over-deliver to their customers to give them an amazing experience and really give them far more value than they are expecting, which enables them to charge higher prices because people generally don't have a problem paying a much higher price if they believe they're receiving good value. Today's episode, we speak with a lady called Jackie Handy, and Jackie is a former top recruitment consultant and manager for a couple of decades, and she now works with others to give back the recipe for sales and leadership success, and she's recently been on the TEDx stage, and we'll hear about that during this week's show. There's also the uh, the Exceeding Expectations Facebook group, so please do search for that on Facebook. And you can have conversations about any of the topics you've heard in this week's show or in shows from other weeks. Jackie is in the group, so if, if there's something you hear in this week's show, please do, do go in and, and ask a question. I'm sure Jackie will come in and answer whatever question you may have. Something we're starting this week is promos for other shows. And there's a great business show you might want to listen to called Hot Butter Business. And to find out more about what that show is about, here are the guys from Hot Butter Business. Entrepreneurship is a fun word, but a tough journey. If you are on the entrepreneurial path and need some help along the way, tune in to Hot Butter Business Podcast, where four entrepreneurs who met through a program called Co-Starters decided after the program to start a podcast. They each use their unique skills, talents, and businesses to unite in this podcast in order to give their audience a look into the mind of an entrepreneur. So subscribe to Hot Butter Business Podcast and walk with these four aspiring entrepreneurs on their journey. Today's edition of Exceeding Expectations, we have a lady called Jackie Handy. How are you doing, Jackie? Hi, Tony. I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure, and I'm, I'm really glad you accepted the, the invitation to come onto the show. So, so tell the listeners a little bit about who is Jackie Handy. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, um, so essentially, I'm a professional speaker, um, a trainer, a training consultant, and I'm a published author as well. Um, if you'd like a bit of background, I can kind of tell you a bit about my journey. Um, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I'm now the managing director of my own business, which um, uh, is Runway Global Limited. And through that, um, I deliver um, speaking engagements to organizations at conferences and events. I also provide bespoke training solutions um, and learning interventions for organizations on a variety of topics spanning um, recruitment and attraction of uh, workforce, also engagement of that workforce. Um, I talk about leadership development as well as um, uh, also kind of general corporate development around strategy and uh, diversifying your business. More recently, I've started talking about a subject quite close to my heart, which is around diversity and inclusion and how the promotion of a diverse and inclusive workforce um, will absolutely um, support organizations uh, 
engaging, motivating uh, their workforce, but also it will impact the bottom line because there are proven statistics showing that a diverse and inclusive workforce will be more productive, more motivated, and therefore um, more results orientated, which has got to be a win-win. Um, mm. My background, um, I was in the recruitment industry myself. I was one of those people that most companies love to hate. Um, I was a recruitment consultant for many years. So I've always really been focused in the service industry in some way, shape or form. Um, and, um, and I think recruitment is one of those um, industries where I think because people love to hate us, but nevertheless know that they need recruiters uh, in many cases there's a good opportunity to often think outside of the box about how you provide service and uh, and really offer value for money um i i never did in my corporate world and never do now profess to be the cheapest but i do profess to give value and i think mm. um uh, as the great quote says price is only ever an issue in the absence of value so that's something i really pride myself on um and and i pride myself on repeat business also you what you've just said there about um that you, you're not the cheapest. Well, that's the whole ethos of this show. It's a, it's a, it's all about value. So absolutely, exactly. absolutely, and uh, you know, it's a subject close to my heart. And I think it, um, I suppose, without sounding too dictatorial about it, I think it should be uh, a subject quite close to everybody's heart that's in business and wants to succeed um, successfully uh, in business. So yeah, hallelujah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I agree with you completely there. Yeah. And and I know also something that we need to mention here is you've recently done a, a TED talk, haven't you? Do you know I have. Thank you for mentioning, Tony. Um yeah, it's um I'm I, I, I recorded it um well the event happened um on the twenty ninth of September, so um, at the time of recording, that means that it was about three weeks away uh, ago, and um, it went really, really well. Um, and I've been desperately hoping to get the video released and published um, ASAP. Um, mm. If if anybody listening or yourself, Tony, have ever come across the TEDx events, the small locally produced TED events, um, mm. there are a lot of hoops that the organisers have to jump through, unfortunately. Um, but I suppose, fortunately, and and unfortunately, um, unfortunately, it just takes a bit longer because the video producers have to make sure that um, any kind of sponsorship slides and so on conform with the TED uh, rules. Um, otherwise, they just simply won't promote them and they will probably revoke the license for the organiser for future events. So um, that's a good thing because it does mean that everybody conforms. Um, it's a bad thing from the perspective that I'm desperate to get this out there and I can't publish or promote it at the moment. So um, it's coming, it's coming, and I'm very excited. And I'd love people to, to to take a look. It's called The Exclusive Nature of Inclusion, and it really highlights not only a very um, candid personal journey that I've gone through in my life, but also... Um, you know, my beliefs uh, about how we can all take responsibility for just taking small steps towards inclusion and how that can really change the way we do business, but also society as a whole. Okay, well, fantastic. Okay, so so let's talk about it. So exceeding expectations and over-delivering. And I remember before when we were speaking and you, you told me some great stories. So what, how has the whole kind of over-delivery and what you've done, what 
what does that mean to you over delivering to your customers? Well, to be honest with you, Tony, I think that um, over delivery is a part of how I do business. Um, it's something that I would pride myself on. And whether that's um, in relation to innovative ways that I would look to attract candidates uh, it through the door for a client. Um, when I was in my corporate, my old corporate life, you know, when I was a, a recruiter, for instance, I would often offer clients, um, two clients that I would actually go down and sit in the interviews with them, um, which they found really unusual because not everybody does that. Um, yeah. and, and give them some guidance in relation to, you know, what they could and couldn't ask legally, but also some really great questions to get the best from those candidates coming through the door. Mm. And, and I think, you know, I mean, I'm talking about the, the old days in my life, if you like, but this is, to give you a first example, um, you know, I, I think what we have to we had to appreciate as recruiters is that although it may have been our day job um, for clients that were looking to recruit a candidate, they may not have recruited and interviewed for for many years in some cases, and. Yeah. And so by being able to just give them that additional support without saying, look, we don't think you can do it because it, it wasn't about that. It was just about maximizing the experience for both the client and their potential candidates. And that really went down as um, an extra bit of value that was offered as part of the overall service, which, you know, again, differentiated me from some of my competitors. Um, and, and and it really cost very little, you know, just some yeah. of my time, a bit of petrol to get to their site, really. And that's the main thing. So I think that sort of thing is definitely worth it. And did any of the candidates actually comment on, wow, never had this kind of experience oh, before? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, the, the, the experience kind of went both ways because the candidates were in a position to, um, you know, have a bit of comfort, I suppose, in some regard, because they'd already met me as their recruitment consultant before the interview with the client. So to see a, I suppose, a familiar face again, as they walk in the door, because it's a nerve wracking experience for candidates going for interview, certainly mm. calmed their nerves a little. And of course, then there are, they're being asked questions from a client who also has, I mean this in the best possible way, but being coached a little on how to interview um, to get the best. So really, it became a win-win from everybody's perspective, um, myself included as the recruiter, um, you know, not not just from the um, the higher percentage of success that we had with that, but also um, I think from the perceived value that was given from just that small service. And how was the response from the potential employer? Did they were they okay with oh, you sitting in? A lot of the time, they they welcomed it. They absolutely welcomed it. And and I think, um, you know, if anybody's listening that's thinking about using a recruitment agency to to employ somebody, then you know, if you're a bit nervous yourself, don't be too proud about asking this kind of thing of your recruiter because all recruiters can do it, but not many people offer it, and that's the thing about the value and um, and going over and above. Um, uh, of course, if everybody starts offering it, it becomes. Uh, worth less in terms of value because it becomes expected what I would do is actually just sit in and I would be the note taker for the client um, mm. so that the client could maintain the eye contact if you like and the rapport with the candidate but they would also they could be assured that they'd got 
detailed notes from the interview responses, the question responses, so that they could really make a balanced and well-informed decision on who was best for their business. And do you remember why was it that you started doing that? Was it one particular um, candidate was having some real problems? Or Well, it, was, it, it, it ended up coming more from the client side of things, actually. So it, it was always something that I would do in terms of briefing the candidates about, you know, I don't know, just simple things in some cases, you know, the sort of things to wear for an interview, the sort of questions that they might get asked, the sorts of questions that they might want to ask of a potential employer and to think about those in advance. But actually, that idea came on the back of engaging with a client who was desperate to get somebody in. They'd been trying for a while, but they just couldn't seem to find a good match and and they struggled. They they basically admitted to me in conversation, you know, it's been quite some time since I've interviewed. Um, and so I thought, well, actually, I interview people every day um, as potential candidates uh, to, to, to promote to clients. So why wouldn't I offer that? Um, and and I, again, you know, just thinking a little bit outside of the normal box, if you like, it sounds a bit cliche, but that's to me, that's the key to offering value. How does so? You're no longer involved in recruiting. So what are? What is it more that you're doing off now, where you're over delivering? Is it to the people that you're speaking for, like so the people who book you? Or? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would always. I'm I'm fairly new to the to the professional speaking world, um, but it's certainly something that I've brought in as an add-on to my corporate training provision. Uh, So generally speaking, what I've looked to do is, um, well, like I say, it's it's a natural part of the way I do business is looking to um, offer additional value, if you like. And so when I engage with clients, the first thing I, I will do is I will ensure that they know that I don't give them simple off the shelf training. So, Mm. um, you know, I know, I appreciate that I'm not the only training consultant that would do that. Um, but still, still, I think clients like to hear that you're not just kind of bunging something their way, but instead, you know, I use that consultative approach that I learned from my recruiting days to find out, well, what are the skill gaps that you're looking to bridge? What is the knowledge that you're looking to impart on your people? And what's the outcome that you're looking to get from this intervention? And from Mm. there, I can then tailor something that will, um, you know, be not only fit for purpose, but um, will will really give them um, an, an engaging, entertaining session that um, I bring fun into the mix. You know, we have we play games in some cases and that kind of thing. Um, and and, and that will help certainly offer value in the first place because they can see a client can see a direct link to that return on investment that they're making. Um, in, in addition, so I um, very often I will record a short video in a, which I'll send to the client in advance of the session so that he or she can show that to the potential delegates. Um, many people especially in the corporate world, um, they sort of feel like they're getting sent on training courses that they don't really want to go on. And and I do think that, especially as an external training provider, it's really useful to just say hi to them before the training event. And then they, um, they're already bought into the concept of meeting me and also um, having a day of learning, if you like. Do you enjoy what you do? Oh, I love what I do. I, I don't think I could... Um, 
I don't think I could give this additional value quite so passionately if I didn't. Mm. And, um, you know, there's lots of cliches about, you know, being authentic and uh, if you don't love what you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life and all that kind of stuff. And we, you know, we all know that from a realistic perspective, we, we've got to earn a living, right? But, mm. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, I do think, and as a former recruiter, I'm very aware that there are many different ways to earn a living. And so yeah. um, my choice, um, and in fact, why I went into learning and development in the first place from my recruitment world was because I wanted to give back. Um, uh, you, you don't know this bit, but um, when the recession hit at the back end of 2007, 2008, um, my role, I was a manager then uh, of a team of recruiters, and my role really had to change overnight because uh, people were withdrawing uh, you know, job vacancies, they weren't recruiting anymore. And, and so our, our revenue as a team diminished almost overnight, not to nothing, but quite substantially. And how do you motivate a team of people who had been successfully selling for quite a period of time? Well, I needed to change the way I managed, if you like, and become much more selfless because I was also targeted and could also make commission at that time. But I needed to change my focus a bit and become more of a coach, become more of a motivator, keep them engaged and to to kind of ride that storm, if you like, together. And I found that actually I really got a lot from doing that. And that was what inspired me to move eventually a couple of years later into the training arena full time. Um, and so it came from a place of um, not a place where I was looking at monetary gain, but from a place of where I really wanted to, dare I say it, follow my purpose. It felt like a calling. It felt like a vocation. And it still does to this day, five years on. In fact, longer than that. Yeah, that's about seven or eight years on now. <laughs> Time flies. Well, it does when you're having fun. Indeed. Yeah. And so would you say, so from you know, from what you've been talking about so far, you very much like to, to give the your clients more than they were expecting. So is that a deliberate strategy or is it just something that's come about over the years? Well, I, th- I think maybe a bit of both. Um, you know, I've always believed, I think from a background in consultative selling, I've always believed that the need to differentiate in business is so important. You know, um, what what makes the difference between one speaker and another, one trainer and another, um, one salesperson and another? Well, it, it, it's them, really. And when I train groups and work with groups of salespeople and we talk about unique selling points, um, really, when it boils down to it, the, the vast ma- in the vast majority of cases, the only real unique selling point for a client is you yourself and so and what you can bring to the table and so um i i kind of recognize that from a the very basic perspectives um being able to differentiate in a good way for whomever your client is is absolutely imperative in this world because as i mentioned earlier otherwise you've only got price uh, and and price wars to get into and mm. i don't know about you but I'd rather um, keep my prices is thank you, but be able to offer something over and above that that in some way perhaps justifies that extra cost. Um, mm. So 
but also, yes, there is, I suppose, a partial strategy to it um, because that's a genuine belief system that I have. And I think now I'm constantly looking at ways that I can vary the offering. Um, and again, just like I bespoke my service, I also would look to bespoke the value offering that goes over and above. And whether that's... Um, uh, for example, I had a client very recently who they gave me some work in the summer. They've got potential work, quite a lot of potential work for me into next year. And and I said to them, look, you know, let me let me come down. And this was, you know, 200 mile one way. <laughs> so I said, look, let me come down. I'll come down. I'll give your team a complimentary follow up day from the session that we had in the summer because I'm I'd heard some really great feedback from them in that they enjoyed the session, but more importantly, they'd gone away and they'd put stuff into practice from that session and started to see results. And so that, mm. that made me um, even more kind of keen to go and do some more work with them. And the client was struggling on the budget for that particular you know financial period so i said well look mm. you know let's not let that stop us um, i was well aware that there's a long i play the long game that's that's yeah. that's the thing and so i went down and gave them a complimentary day and um you know there's <laughs> that will come back around to me and benefit me hugely in the long run and i and i just yeah. think you know sometimes making small sacrifices in business to give your clients something uh, that they least expected, um, you know, can really pay dividends in, in the long run. Absolutely. And it's, it is that long-term vision that makes such a difference. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, a, again, especially, you know, today's economic climate, it's, it's a strange economic climate and I don't want to say the B word, but you know, Brexit is all over the place and, and what's going to happen on the back of it and are people going to withdraw business and so on. But I, I do think ultimately we shouldn't be put off by the fact that this is happening and whatever's going to happen will happen because, you know, businesses are still there and, um, and regardless of what happens politically and generally in relation to the economy, there will always be people that need to do business um, yeah. uh, and want to do business with us. So I think we just, as, as business people, entrepreneurs or whatever it might, we might be, is just to constantly be thinking about what else could I do? What else could I do? Um, because you know, I really think that's the way to cement the relationships that we have now. And, and I do think that will help carve us a way forward for the future, however precarious that may, uh, that landscape might look. And in the, the things that you're doing to, to give your customers a better experience, I mean, I dare say, you know, we all take ideas from other people doing something similar to what we do. But have you ever heard some ideas from someone doing something completely different that you thought oh, actually I could adapt that to, to what I do well I have heard of people that um, maybe give do give added extras so um, I suppose you know a, a speaker who would go and deliver a talk around a theme and that pot potentially then would offer small bite-sized chunks of either um perhaps setting up a Facebook group for the people that have seen the talk to engage and, and, and discuss ideas around that, which has made mm. me think, hmm, actually, 
something like a small Facebook group or a WhatsApp group, you know, I mean, it's all, all different social media platforms to choose from, could be quite useful for, you know, either a group that I speak to or train with to share ideas, um, you know, check in with me about, oh, I've tried this and this is, I've struggled with this or I've had success with that so that you can really just keep the momentum going. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it's always about not plagiarizing, but really cherry picking the the things that you hear and and making them fit for purpose for uh, you know your client base. Definitely a problem many people have because I think most people would like to over deliver in some capacity, mm-hmm. but a, a struggle some people have is they say to me. Oh, yeah, but when I meet a potential client, I have to tell them everything I do. I'm not going to get the business in the first place. Mm. So there's that balance of what do you hold something back and don't tell them I'm going to do something so that you have a surprise for them? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think first of all, um, my, my first comment to, to, to that would be um, why, why, does, why do people feel that they need to tell the client everything? Because the client's not buying everything. The client is buying what they need. So without getting into, you know, my default uh, salesperson mode, (laughs) I would always advise anybody to keep their cards close enough to their chest that they can bring about these kind of value add surprises. So if I go to meet with a client, I, um, uh, although I'm talking quite a lot now, I talk very little then. um, and, And I literally just open up and say, right, what is it that you're looking for that will make a difference? What do you need? And then I let the client tell me. Um, now, assuming that I can give the client all of those things that, that, that he or she is asking for, then I will go back and say, okay, so I can give you this, this, and this, and it will make this difference, and it's only going to cost you X amount. And then um, once they sort of say, oh, yeah, I like that idea, that's the point at which I'd say, and I tell you what, if you if you if you proceed quickly, <laughs> so this is, becomes yeah. a negotiation. If you proceed quickly, I'll also give mm. you this and this and this at no extra cost. I always mm. I already know that that works for me in my kind of packaging of my price and service. Um, but the client feels that they are getting something extra. Well, the time has absolutely flown. So <laughs> before we finish. Um, what I mean, are there any sort of general things that you want to say about the whole concept of you know trying to exceed a customer's expectations and that, that whole? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I've probably said it all already. That you know, I think that uh, especially especially in today's economic climate, where there are businesses still setting up left, right, and centre. I mean, we know the statistics about the number of businesses that start up and fail in the first few years. You know, the way to move your business forward and keep it consistent is to go over and above in whatever small ways. It doesn't always have to be extravagant gestures, but small gestures that are uniquely fit for purpose for that given client. Um, the vast majority of my business, Tony, I have to say, not all of it, but the vast majority comes on referrals and it comes back to me time and time again as repeat business. And and I can um, I, I, I would say that there's a couple of things at play there. The first is building a solid and consistent network, however you do that. Um, the second is, of course, be good at what you do. You know, there is no point saying, oh, I'll give you all of these extra things, but actually what you do is substandard. So you, you do need to, to do a good job in the core 
uh, offering that you give. Um, and then, and then there after think about what you can give as an extra and and whether there is a trade that you want for that or whether it's just an add-on that you would give um i think it's crucial and i think it's um i think those three things really collectively are the keys to success for any small business well jackie it's been a real pleasure speaking to you I'm very much, very much looking forward to seeing your TEDx talk. And as I, as I mentioned, I'm going to put the, it will be out by the time this podcast is released. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes so anyone listening can go and watch uh, Jackie's TED talk. Great. Well, thank you again so much for having me, Tony. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And to you. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. In next week's edition, we hear from Nicholas Webb, the author of a book called What Customers Crave, amongst many other books. I recently finished a book and it is absolutely superb. And Nicholas gives some really good stories and examples of how you can give great experiences to your customers. So do tune in next week. Please leave a review, um, subscribe, that would be fantastic. And have you heard of a podcast named Hot Butter Business? Here's more information on that show. Entrepreneurship is a fun word, but a tough journey. If you are on the entrepreneurial path and need some help along the way, tune in to Hot Butter Business Podcast, where four entrepreneurs who met through a program called Co-Starters decided after the program to start a podcast. They each use their unique skills, talents, and businesses to unite in this podcast in order to give their audience a look into the mind of an entrepreneur. So subscribe to Hot Butter Business Podcast and walk with these four aspiring entrepreneurs on their journey. Once again, thank you for listening and please do join our Facebook group. Just search for Exceeding Expectations in Facebook. Start a conversation about some points you've heard on this episode or other episodes. Maybe tell a story about a time when you received an amazing experience you didn't expect from someone. You could nominate someone you'd like to hear interviewed on the show and maybe do a book review on a book you've read about customer services, customer experience, over-delivering, etc. And please suggest, maybe suggest some ways that people can over-deliver to their customers and start a conversation around that. So thank you for listening and I look forward to speaking to you next week.